This is the War Room Roundtable podcast, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant businessmen and women on the planet. Hear their stories and get the most important business lessons they've learned on the road to success and get exclusive advice on how to implement their successes into your life and business. The War Room Roundtable is brought to you by your hosts, Jason Miller, CEO of Strategic Advisor Board, and Philip Llanos, CEO of Own the Rhythm, and former podcast host for Entrepreneur and Inc. Magazine. Welcome to the War Room. Michelle Olivier, how are you doing? I'm all right. How are you, Philip? Doing good. Jason and I are obviously happy happy to have you here. We just had a great time even before we hit record. So I got a good feeling about this one. <laughs> I am hilarious. I tell people that all the time. So it must be true. HR is not allowed to lie, right? Like that's <laughs> us and the police. <laughs> if I Google yes. it, well, if I Google it, will it say that about oh, you? Oh, damn, Jason. God <laughs> save me from lies, damn lies in Google search. <laughs> uh, Google oh, says all man. kinds of things that you should never believe. I... <laughs> constantly have hiring managers or candidates going to be like, well, I Googled and it said such and so I'm like, what, what the hell were you Googling? Also, do you understand that anybody can put anything on the internet and it doesn't make it true, right? Like, Come on. We were guys. actually talking about this yesterday. <laughs> funny enough, the, 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 but before we get into that, cause I, I want to make sure we, we started off. Sorry, by, sorry, I'm uh, breaking the format here. No, already. no, no, no. I, I love it because there's <laughs> going to be a lot to talk about. And and we'll put we'll put a pin on that for a second. And I just want to ask, because I'm curious, do you come from a family of entrepreneurs yourself? Sort of. So my dad mostly excelled at getting fired um when I was a kid. Like every like he was constantly getting fired. He was my I always say about my dad, he was my favorite asshole. And so he like he always was sure he was the smartest guy in the room and he was not shy about telling everybody else about that. And uh, as it turns out, people don't love that long term. Um, so he like he would work somewhere for like a year or two and then inevitably he'd piss off somebody and get fired when I was a kid. And then about the time I went to university, he started his own business and he was like, now I can't get fired. Can I? Um, and so he became a consultant and he designed technology infrastructure for airports all over the world. So whatever airport you're thinking, yep, that was probably one of daddy's. Um, and my mom, um, was a big deal HR consultant. So I got my dad's mouth and my mom's HR, um, and (laughs) the, the two together. So, um, so sort of, but sort of later in my life that way. Yeah. Did did the fact that your mom was in HR sort of uh, encourage you to step into that world? Only because I was like, damn, there's got to be a better way. Like, this is lame. I think, you know, I, I spent so much time around HR people and watching like them be non-humans at work. <laughs> and like, like this whole like HR can't have a sense of humor. Like we have to be the fun police. And, you know, HR can never say anything racy or they can't swear god i was like that sucks and is dumb like hr human beings and so i say shit all the time that offends people and you know what i do 
I apologize like a goddamn grown up. And they use that as an opportunity. Like you have a choice in HR. You can either try to never say anything that might possibly be offensive to anybody, at which point you can't say anything real, or you can just say what you think, act like a grown up, and then model how do you handle it when you say something that somebody didn't like afterwards. I choose option B. So, yes, you said a lot <laughs> in that, that probably goes over people's heads but yeah being able to be the model and showing what you're doing being like the example yeah. as opposed to just saying oh no you know i'm always looking out for people there's a lot of people who have that fake humility as opposed to what you're really doing which is being a real human leaving yourself open to being vulnerable and saying things that may not may not be true may not be accurate and being willing to go oh i'm sorry Screwed up that one. Yeah, what? enlighten me. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it, Jason is is definitely. I, I think uh, got a lot to say on that because he himself also runs a staffing agency. So I'm sure there's a lot going on within his head with, with what he's doing. Jason, you have any thoughts on that? <laughs> well, you know, it, it really comes down to this. It, it comes down to, you know, we live in this world where everybody wants to get their damn feelings heard about every little thing, right? And, and the truth is, is we just can't worry about it in a lot of ways, right? You just can't worry about it. You're going to step on somebody no matter what, because we got all these snowflakes running around in the world that uh, I'll say it and I'll say it like it is <laughs> that, you know, one little thing happens in their life and holy shit, a fucking nuke went off. Good Lord. You know, <laughs> it's like, Jesus, grow some resiliency, man. Um, and uh, yeah, I totally get where you're coming from. And it is, it's, it's annoying, actually. <laughs> I think that people are often surprised by my approach to employee relations in HR, because they'll come to me with their shit and be like, oh my God, Susie said such and so. And then she didn't invite us to lunch. And I'm like, I do. Did I, were you confused? Why in the hell are you telling me? Do I look like Susie? Do you think I give a shit? And they're like, but you're HR. I'm like, yeah, which means I have a real fucking job. <laughs> are you trying to fire Susie? No. Great. <laughs> then why are we having this conversation? Go be a grown up. Talk to Susie. I don't care. I don't care at all <laughs> over lunch, <laughs> over anything. I just every goddamn thing. And I'm like, I just don't care. My job is to protect the company from something that is actionable. So did Susie say something that made somebody feel um, uncomfortable from a protected class? Okay. Now I, it's on my, I give a shit radar, right? Does Susie, did she disclose that she's moody because she has cancer? Now I care. Call HR about that. Do you need to fire Susie or we have a performance issue because she's got an attitude? Great. Now I can pretend like I care. Until then, stop. Just mm -hmm. stop. Go deal with your shit. It so, is not my job to wipe your nose. So I love the candor that you bring to, to the world of HR. Now, you created a consulting team, though, right? You have a whole team 
focused on uh, a bunch yeah. of things, right? So what was the formulation of that like? Because I, I think there's a there's a kindred spirit here in that Jason himself uh, has created, you know, a community. And the show is part of that and how we share value. And you have one yourself, albeit it's a consulting firm, but it's a community. If you think of, well, if I see the faces and I see all the skills that they have, you have a community. I think that, you know, the community are people that I've worked with over the years that we had, we got along because we had the same lack of, you know, fucks to give about things. And I was like, those are not people. Um, and, and so it kind of, it's, it's really easy. Like, you, you know, your own and Jason, I mean, you know, there's so many people that get into HR staffing for all the wrong damn reasons. I, my personal least favorite is I want to be in HR cause I really like people. I'm like, then you're in the wrong damn place because this is not a job for people who like people. HR is straight up a systems job. It just happens to be the systems of people. Recruitment is straight up a sales job. If you're trying to get in recruitment to make people feel better about themselves, you're in the wrong goddamn place because anybody who is hiring you is hiring you to make money like a salesperson. And instead of selling widgets or cheeseburgers, you're selling human beings. Like it or get out. <laughs> yes. I love your style. And this is O&H Consulting. Now, does O&H yeah. stand for something? I don't see it. I don't see it anywhere on here. So I'm the O and my husband's the H. So we're real creative like that, Philip. Like we dug deep, <laughs> dug deep. <laughs> I see now. My eyes see things I didn't see before. <laughs> That's the whole, yeah. Somebody, somebody said the other day, well, you know, do you need to get sign off on something? I'm like, I mean, we're O and H. I would be the O in that. I feel like I've got the sign off. <laughs> I am the sign off. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. And so, okay. How did it come about? Because at some point, did you just, it was like the first business you started and it just succeeded or did you try other things and then say to yourself, well, I need to step into this because clearly. Well, like I failed a couple of times. So um, I started, um, my husband is English and I lived in the UK for 10 and a half years. Um, And while I was over there, I went from HR into agency recruitment. Um, and then from agency recruitment, I kind of um, moved into working with an organization that helped people who were long-term unemployed, signed off on for health reasons or benefits or something like that, get back into work. And um, working there, I designed courses and curriculum to help them understand the recruitment process from the perspective of the other side of the table, because there's just like this huge gulf of of knowledge and like one side thinks that the other side has totally different values than what they do. Um, so we designed the, those courses and those curriculum and um, that was great. And then as part of that, I started working with individual employers, designing coursework for them and then designing assessment centers to help them see for themselves that these people had the skills that they needed. And from a legal liability perspective, actually assessment centers are way better than resumes because it's, there's a lot, um, it's a lot harder to have to be done for um, discrimination uh, for all kinds of things. If you have more data points. Um, so, uh, so that was part of the cell. So I finally got tired of working for that company and started my own company designing assessment centers. And I did that for a while. And then we immigrated and I was like, you know, 
it's real hard to start a business all over in a new country. Fuck it. I'm going to go work for somebody else. So I did. And I went uh, and I was director of talent act for the YMCA. And then I got pregnant and I was like, I am not doing babies and a full-time director job. This is crazy. So I left and I was totally tried to be a stay-at-home mom. Like I did my best um, and it was just not in my DNA. <laughs> so um, I went back to work um, for another small company for a while. And then um, finally was like, this is dumb. I'm just making somebody else money. I'm going to go back. And so that was when we like officially relaunched ONH. Um, so that that's the the origin story as it is. Yeah. I, yeah. I think it's awesome. Uh, for me, I, what I what I wonder is, so you launch, you moved, right? So like any network you had, I mean, was it a global launch? Meaning you were working with people internationally, or nope. were you focused on the you were focused on the market nearby? I was in the UK, yeah. So I had clients all up and down the UK. I had some clients um, in um, the EU. But I had bubkits in the U.S. I had been gone for so long. I came back. I was like I wasn't a person anymore. I didn't have a credit <laughs> history. The state of Texas forgot I had ever taken a driving test in my damn life. So I had to start all of I mean, I was like I had nothing when I came back home. I was like, this is bullshit. <laughs> yeah. So how did you pick traction back up? I mean, was it just bootstraps? You were like, look, one step at a time meeting people here and there to get your whole life back together there. Cause I imagine that couldn't have been easy. It was a lot. So, you know, um, I mean, I came home, right. So like my family was here, I went to high school here. So like my friends of like 20 some odd years were here. I think it was weirder for my husband. Cause it was like, you know, like this Insta social group, at least that we came in and I was like, Hey, hey look, it's so, it's so he's like, I've never met them in my life. <laughs> We've been living together for seven years. I, sure. <laughs> Why not? Um, but uh, so from a social perspective and personal human perspective, I think that that really helped. Like, I think it would have been really, really hard if I had had like literally nobody and no nothing here. My brother is like 10 minutes away door to door. So that made it easier from that. Um, from a work perspective, <laughs> um, I bootstrapped. I got the job at the Y. They had no idea what they had hired. Um, I think my favorite was the VP told me later, he was like, your interview. He was like, I came out and I was like, we either hire her or we just take notes of every damn thing she just told us we're doing wrong and hire somebody else to do what she said. Like those are our choices. But if you hire her, know what you were hiring because she's not going to go gently. And I think that, you know, that, um, that vibe for me has been true for my whole life. And I'm just too old to quit, to keep caring if anybody else thinks I'm a bit much. So having my own company where I get to just always be on brand and I don't have to, you know, pussyfoot around anything that I have to say. Um, I don't have to get sign off from HR uh, or anything like that. Like that really, it's been very empowering. And I found that a lot of my message kind of resonates with folks, especially like on LinkedIn, um, where people for some reason like my things that I say. Um, so yeah, so I think that I've kind of slowly built up a community there and then through that community, really everything else has come. Like I made connections who were like, holy shit, you're so smart. 
you should come and work with these com- this company over here. I was like, sure, why the hell not? The um, I had a an interview with a client now that's one of our you know um, our sort of most beloved clients and halfway through the interview, he stopped. He was like, you are officially the smartest person I've ever talked to about recruitment. So I don't know how we're going to work out the money on this, <laughs> but we just like, you're in. And I was like, hey, if smart and sassy does it for you, I am your girl for sure. <laughs> it sounds it's like funny. it's, on, it's funny. Yeah. It's funny because I always say, I always tell people in my company, I say, if, if I need to take you out for a steak dinner before we work together, I'm not your guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I, um, yeah, I would agree with that. I'm like, you know, I just like, I, I didn't need to be wooed, but I think that that was, that kind of sums up how I wind up getting business now is that people pick up on that vibe and they're like, you should, yes, thank you. That's great. One thing I've, I've, I'm, I'm picking up from the story is uh, you have an uncanny ability to show people what's wrong with the industry and and how how to position themselves to do that better. Uh, do do you spend a lot of time creating content doing that? Is that sort of because I hear that you get referrals things of that nature and that because of just your reputation for the way you are around. But do you create content based on that as well, or, or are you not interested in content because you've got so much work that it's like? <laughs> so I would say my, the, the answer is supposed to be, yes, I create content. The reality <laughs> is that some shit pisses me off daily and I post that on LinkedIn. So today's <laughs> thing that pissed me off is I had a client who was like, well, we can't hire such and so because this other person didn't like them. I'm like, the fuck do we care? If we're hiring because somebody likes them, are they competent? Cool. We should hire them. Like, <laughs> I mean, so um, so I have a post today that's kind of ranting about that. And, you know, that's really most of my content is really natural and organic. And it's genuinely comes from whatever shit happened today um, in my life. And that's I, I think that I would. So I, it wouldn't be fair to say I spend a lot of time creating content. I should. Um, my publicist definitely tells me that I need to. I have a podcast, uh, but it's more accident than design. Um, somebody asked me, like, how do you know what's going on in markets and what hiring managers want and look for for things that you don't, you know, touch on every day? And I was like, I talk to them, like I ask them questions. And so my business partners were like, well, we should just start recording it when you do that. And so thus, hey, I want your job um, was born. And it's just like me having conversations with with people in jobs and being like, how did you get there? And if somebody else wanted that job, what would that look like? And we talk about all kinds of shit, but like broadly, that's, you know, what the the podcast is about. So there is that content that I create that's a weekly podcast that goes out. But otherwise, you know, not a lot um, from uh, more than that. I'm, I am definitely too busy. It's called, Hey, I Want Your Job. Hey, I Want Your Job. <laughs> That's such a good name for something. It gets straight to the point of what it's about. <laughs> I feel like, again, it is definitely on brand for me, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what, what's what been the most difficult thing about uh, starting your consulting firm? And Because and, and, it sounds like a lot of things have been looking up. There's got to be a challenge somewhere. Lots of challenges. <laughs> so many challenges. 
Um, <laughs> damn, like a lot of it's hard for me. I was just saying, actually, we met with my business coach um, this morning and I said that right now, the thing I'm struggling with most is feeling like any of it is real. Like we're doing well financially. I do not, I don't budget for any money at all coming from my company, which like I'm definitely doing well enough that that is insane. And so <laughs> like, like, you know, I make, I make pretty good money and I'm just like, nope, nope, it's not real. It's not real. And then my business coach was like, I mean, what's it going to take? I was like, here's the thing right now, most of our business comes from five places. If five people wake up tomorrow and go, I hate that bitch's face. I don't have a company. Like I don't have any income until I go out and get new people. And I know how to do that, but I don't know how long that's going to be. So it doesn't feel real. Like it just is like that. This month we made good money. Cool. I wonder what next month will be like. <laughs> and yeah. so like it, it makes it <laughs> like, I know that I have to get past that. Right. But like, it makes it really hard to plan to behave like a responsible business and responsible company. You know, I have people who work for me right now. Everybody's on 1099 and they are not complaining because they're very well taken care of, but it would be awful nice to be able to offer them a W2 and maybe some benefits and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. But in order for me to do that, I got to get out of my own head. And I gotta like own the fact that you know I I have an actual grown up business with actual grown up <laughs> clients. Um, this is totally Jason's space right here. This is what he does. <laughs> <laughs> My gosh, me and you could spend some hours together. <laughs> Are you also in denial of having a grown up business, Jason? <laughs> no, no, I'm the one that fixes people's denial of being a grown up in their business. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that's so cool, and I get it because I I'm I mostly freelance for for so long, and and the idea there's a lot that comes with that identity. In fact, I think it was in Psycho Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz. He talks about this. There's the only quote I took from it really because all of it was he said, "You can never grow beyond your own self image." And so I, I know what you what you're saying when you put that down, and and, and it's a it's a, an inflection point in business. So it's going to be really interesting to watch you grow from there. So uh, I imagine is that your current goal? That's your challenge. But is it your current goal, or do you have another goal that you are explicitly pursuing? So that's a good question. My business coach asked the same one. Um, <laughs> and so uh, a year ago when we met with him, I was like, we're going to take over the damn world. We're going to change everything. Da, 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 da. And now I was like, I just want a nap. That's what I want. <laughs> I want a business that lets me take a fucking nap. Please, God. I have two <laughs> small children. Like, I do not need to be working 14 hours a day, six days a week. I just want a nap. And he was like, that's a little different. You should probably reconcile. My business partners and I are, are talking about it, but mm. like, it's very much, you know, when you have a small company where that is built on your expertise, um, it's hard to scale, really hard to scale. Um, I am, good at what I do. I am wicked smart and can definitely help most organizations be better 
about how they treat their people, about how they recruit, about all of those kind of things. I know that about me. I'm also a control freak. And I think most entrepreneurs are. And so to break out of my own, like to, to trust enough to bring somebody else in and be able to say, hey, this is Jason. He's just as smart as me. He can help you just as much as I mean, I can. He ha- is going to work to my standard. And if he needs anything, I'm going to be right here to hold his hand. But also, I'm going to peace out and check y'all later and take a nap. Like, I'm just like, oh, that's like six steps worth of freak out for me. And so I'm, we're trying to reconcile, like, are we is that who we want to be? Or do we just want to be a smaller boutique company that we take on exactly as much as I can personally steer the ship on? And yes, that will limit how much money I make, but you know, I'm, I'm not looking to be filthy rich. I'm just looking to be comfortable and not have to worry about, do I pay for my kids to go to camp? Cause I want them at camp all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Amen to that. Holy, I can, I can, I can totally agree with that for sure. I'm like, is there like an extended, extended hour? How many, how long will you keep the little bastards? Do you have the, do you have the the extended two week program? You know, the one nobody else. I found one that's eight weeks. (laughs) I just got to get them to survive until they are nine years old. And then I can send them away for eight weeks a year. I cannot wait. <laughs> oh my god that's oh hilarious. man this is truly a parent moment i mean i i i'm not a parent but i i have i have 18 i'm one of 18 siblings and most of them have kids i don't and they you know fun fact but i i've, I've every parent i've ever met has that same reaction at some point mm. <laughs> and, Minor- you know it's interesting that you bring that up though because th- those are two things that are pretty common in all like over a thousand plus interviews I've done with people uh, who are CEOs, executives is uh, number one, how they, how they view family and, and how they have to work with that while they're building their business. And the other side of it is that most CEOs do struggle with that, finding that person or a system that can do 70% of what they do to free them up. Right. Imagine just freeing up 70% of yourself. That's a question to, to ponder on, right? What would it look like if 70% of me didn't have to be in, as invested anymore? That so would many still naps. a lot. So many <laughs> so, so it's actually more common than you, than, you, than you know. And yeah, I mean, I'm glad you're, you're on this because Jason's definitely somebody you should be having a conversation with that about. But uh, let's continue on with your journey because uh, here we are now. We, we've understood, you know, sort of the origin story, how you became the superhero when you were bit by the spider, right? <laughs> and then, and then we, we saw some of the challenges you faced and, and, and how you positioned your goal based on that. Uh, but what do you want people to know about O&H? Um, I want them to know that we are not whatever it is you thought an agency was. Um, so when people hear recruitment agency, and no offense, Jason, they they think of salespeople. They think that somebody's going to come in and, you know, their own vested interest is around shoving candidates at you until you just say uncle and hire one of them. Um, and I have zero interest in working that way. Um, I don't like it. Um, I didn't like it when I did it for many, many, many years. Um, <laughs> just, I'm done. So we work as a real partner um, and we do it 
for a bunch of reasons. A lot of them are like highfalutin moralistic reasons, right? So we genuinely believe that agency recruitment is a big part of what's wrong with recruitment, um, the recruitment system, uh, because it commoditizes human beings, turns people into cheeseburgers. Um, and so it's really hard to get emotionally invested in a cheeseburger. Um, and so when you treat people that way, you get what you get, right? So agency recruiters, it's not in their best interest to talk to you if you are going to be the cheapest candidate that they put forward because they make more money if you make more money. Agency recruiters, it's not their best interest to treat you well if they, if, if, there's anything about you that the client doesn't like. It's in their best interest to just say, absolutely, you got it, and give that client exactly what they asked for with no pushback. Um, unless their back is up against the wall and they have no other choice is the only time that an agency would tell you anything else. I don't want to work that way. And so we are going to come in and I'm going to tell you what you're doing right. And I'm going to tell you what you're doing wrong. And then I'm going to help you fix it. And if you're doing everything right and you just need help finding people in a way that is smart and time efficient, great. I can help you with that. But we do it as a white labeled service. So I work within the organization as a member of the team. All of my clients, God bless them, forget that I am not technically an employee there. They're like, are you coming to the Christmas party? No, because I don't fucking work here. I'm going to take a nap. Right? Like. So I have some of my clients choose to give me titles. I have one client where I'm the CPO. I have one client where I am head of talent. Cool. Um, but it's that type of a relationship where I'm that invested in. Um, I know their culture. I'm helping them achieve their goals. And that is not when you say third-party recruitment service or third-party HR service. That is definitely not what people imagine. And so um, that's the, I guess that's the big difference. Yeah, I love it. And Christmas parties, talk about priorities. We already know naps are your goal. <laughs> yeah, right? I know. I had one of my clients last year was really insistent on getting me a gift. And he was like, what do you want? And I was like, David, I just want to sleep. That's all I want. Come babysit my goddamn kids and let me take a nap. That's what I'm asking for. And he's like, that's not about to happen. I was like, I didn't think it was. It would be weird if you did. So, <laughs> But I'm desperate enough. I might say yes. <laughs> so with, with, with all this said, uh, I, I want to know what would be the most preferred way that people could actually get a hold of you, like you specifically, because I'm pretty sure they've already fallen head over heels with your style. So. Uh, LinkedIn always comes straight to me. They can also email me. I'm sure you'll have that in show notes and everything for them to be able to reach out to me is fine. Um, email, I tend to be a little bit slower than I am on LinkedIn. I'm not going to lie. Um, but LinkedIn is a really easy way, not only to get to know me, uh, to reach out to me directly, but also to kind of get to know a little bit more about me. I always warn people that, you know, I, I am always honest and I do say what I think. And so before it makes sense for us to work together. It probably makes sense for them to know what they'd be signing up to um, and be assured that that's something that they're down with because not everybody is and that's okay. There's a shoe for every foot. <laughs> and, uh, and and with that said, uh, there's only two other pieces of businesses left. So I want to make sure I open the floor <laughs> up to Jason. I, I've been hogging a lot of the time here and, I, and I'm sure I imagine he's got something he's interested in saying. I 
think Jason's a mute. I, I think that he doesn't really talk. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've just had a lot of fun just sitting back and listening on this one. Because um, usually I have a lot of input and it's just been more like this. It's just fun to sit back and listen to it all. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of the, shared philosophy. <laughs> well, there is. Yeah. Because it's like, uh, you know, what you just said is a great point. A lot of businesses try to be everything to everyone, right? And you can't do that. It does. It never works, right? That's like saying, "If I build it, they will come." No, they're not. <laughs> I mean, somebody might, but you don't know that you want them, <laughs> yeah, right? Maybe somebody will come, possibly. Yeah. So, and you, you know, you look at the whole uh, journey of how a lot of businesses are approaching things nowadays. Right. And especially from a staffing perspective, because I, I see it through our agency um, and we're, we're a virtual company. It's a bit different than what you do, but uh, they just, they, they don't care there. It's more like, you know, who do you got? Just throw them in here and let's get them to work. Right. Versus our process is we'll, we'll literally interview a couple hundred people and then narrow that down to 50 and then narrow that down to 25. And then we'll put four on an interview with them, right? Nobody wants to do that because it's too much work, right? But, but it's very rewarding when you get off those interviews with that client and they can't even make a decision which one, so they hire all four, right? Yeah. When you know you got it right. <laughs> For me, Jason, it's always they want to ask me like, well, you know, how many? What's your average like source numbers? And like, how many candidates you contact? I'm like. Psh. I want to tell you right now, if that's going to be your jam, we are not for you because those numbers yeah. are like minuscule. Like, you know how many people? So we were hiring um, for two director roles for one of our clients. We contacted 50 people for both of those roles. They now have five people for both of those roles on final interview. And to Jason's point, they're like, I don't know what we're going to pick. They're so great. They're just so different, but all great. <laughs> That is like, I have no interest in having the same goddamn conversation 130 times with candidates, right? Like if I can have the same conversation four times and you hire somebody from it, awesome. <laughs> so like that is very much like it all comes down to my being like really lazy, <laughs> selfish, but they, there are these old metrics that people think are important, right? So they'll ask me, well, you know, what is your guaranteed time to um, resume? I'm like, I do not have any guarantees. Are you kidding? Have you looked at this market? I ain't guaranteeing shit. Like, <laughs> I will guarantee you that I will show up. That yeah. I cannot guarantee you that anybody's going to want to apply for your job, let alone that a timeline. I don't have a cachet of candidates because the market moves too fast. Like that's very old school thinking mm -hmm. and we're just not those people. And so, yeah, you're right, Jason. Like there's just like, there's a lot of reeducation that has to happen and it can be an uphill battle for it. I love it. I love it. There's the, the we've reached, uh, a very important part of the show and it's twofold. The first one is if Michelle, you could speak to yourself early on, 
when you were sitting there going, I am not about to be a full-time mom and also a full-time director. And like, what would you say to you then that you now understand and know and have a, a better grasp on? You don't have to decide everything today. That it, the needle can move, the goalpost can move, and that it doesn't have to be either or. Um, one of the, the traps that I really got into early on was I'm, it'd been a long time since I had been an individual contributor. <laughs> and so I was like, I couldn't imagine individual contributor level work that would be interesting or rewarding enough. There would be just no juice in the squeeze for me. Um, and I would probably be really annoying for anybody who tried to hire me <laughs> in that. Cause I would be like, we should look at this at like a strategic level and address, you know I mean? Like I would just have pissed them off. Um, but then be, and then at the same time, I couldn't imagine part-time work at a strategic or kind of executive level. And so I felt like I had to choose like one of those things. And I now know that that's total bullshit. Like I could have done all sorts of permeations of things between here and there that would have let me have my cake and eat it too. Um, but I was so kind of locked in that, that like dichotomy paradigm that, that I couldn't see that. And so that, I think that would probably be my biggest option. Biggest thing is like to, that there are other options. And anytime you think that it's an either, or you're almost always wrong. <laughs> and wow. if you can't see a different option, then you need to find somebody else and and help find that option. That's deep. It goes deep. And I, I personally can relate to that, especially that whole, there's no juice in the squeeze. And it, it's really hard for certain personalities to operate uh, in that space. But I, I love that you shared that. And with that said, the grand finale has arrived. The question that I told you about earlier, if you could have invited anybody, you, your pick of the litter, any time, any place in history, life, dead or alive, who would you have loved to have invited as an additional guest today and why? Probably my dad. Um, I think that, like I said, he was my favorite asshole. I think he would have had a lot to say um, about my origin story. And I think he'd have a lot to contribute. Um, there's probably like deeper and more profound people I should have answered. Like I should have been like, oh, I feel like Jean-Paul Sartre and his critique of you know, existentialism and postmodern society would have been fascinating. Like, <laughs> but I, genuinely, I think that like for me, my favorite parts of the conversation were the parts where we were talking about like my roots in the background. And I think that like having my dad here would have been cool. And also just selfishly, like he's dead. And how cool would it be to get to see my dad? You were so on brand at all times. <laughs> yes. Lots of respect for your style. For real. Thank you. <laughs> um, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Those, those are my thoughts, Jason. Any closing thoughts? <clears throat> yeah, well, I always say this at the end, and that is we all got same amount of time every week, got 168 hours and during the week. Thank you for stopping by and spending 30 with us. Um, we're all busy. Everybody says we're too busy, right? We just don't know how to allocate our time correctly, most likely. Um, but thank you for being here with us today and sharing your story. It was fun fascinating and uh you know i kind of got to be the spectator on the outside watching this whole thing and it was like it was pretty fun just watching it <laughs> so <laughs> thanks for being here
<laughs> no problem. Thanks for having me, guys. This was a blast. Thanks for listening to the War Room Roundtable with your hosts, Jason Miller and Philip Llanos. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates. And always remember, if you can dream it and believe it, then you can go achieve it. We'll see you in the next episode.